This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. It's said that any society is three missed meals away from chaos. Think of that. We saw it in New Orleans when the levees broke. Three days and it's chaos. Three skipped meals in any society and it's chaos. Have you solved your food problem yet? Imagine what would happen if those that depend on you had no access to food because of whatever is going on in the world. The last thing you want to do is suffer through a crisis without access to food. And that's why I encourage you to take decisive action now while you can to protect yourself and your family by building an emergency food supply. My Patriot Supply is standing by to help right now. This week, their four-week food supply is 99 bucks. That's 140 adult servings of easy-to-cook food that lasts up to 25 years, but you got to order now. Call 888-411-6875 or visit preparewithbeck.com. Limit two at this special $99 price, but the number to call is 888-411-6875, or you can go online at preparewithbeck.com. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. There was a speech that I heard many times that Ronald Reagan gave. It was back in the early 60s. At that time, he was just a rising star in the Republican Party, and he he warned Americans about socialized medicine all the way back in the 60s. And he went further than warning. He also predicted that if Americans didn't do all they could to stop it, socialized medicine would become a reality in this nation. In this country of ours took place the greatest revolution that has ever taken place in world history, the only true revolution. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another. But here, for the first time in all the thousands of years of man's relation to man, a little group of men, the Founding Fathers, for the first time, established the idea that you and I had within ourselves the God-given right and ability to determine our own destiny. This freedom was built into our government with safeguards. We talk democracy today, and strangely, we let democracy begin to assume the aspect of majority rule is all that is needed. Well, majority rule is a fine aspect of democracy, provided there are guarantees written in to our government concerning the rights of the individual and of the minorities. What can we do about this? Well, you and I can do a great deal. We can write to our congressmen, to our senators. We can say right now that we want no further encroachment on these individual liberties and freedoms. And at the moment, the key issue is we do not want socialized medicine. If you don't, this program, I promise you, will pass just as surely as the sun will come up tomorrow. And behind it will come other federal programs that will invade every area of freedom as we have known it in this country. Until one day, as Norman Thomas said, we will awake to find that we have socialism. And if you don't do this, and if I don't do it, one of these days, you and I are going to spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Ronald Reagan was right. But the question is now, who says socialized medicine is such a bad thing for America? Well, for one, America's founding fathers. Now, If you Google it, there's going to be articles from liberal websites claiming that the founders would have loved socialized medicine. But but the fact is, there isn't a single word about the government providing health care in the United States Constitution. Not a single word. Did they have health problems in the late 1700s? Of course they did. So it isn't like health care wasn't something they thought of. They absolutely could have provided it in the Constitution, but they didn't. In fact, one of America's favorite founding fathers, at least one of mine, helped build America's first hospital. 
using mostly private funding. Even though, at the time, Colonial America's urban centers were far healthier than those in Europe, according to Philadelphia city leaders, it was, quote, a melting pot for diseases where Europeans, Africans, and Indians engaged in free exchange of their respective infections, end quote. It was about 1750 that Philadelphia had grown to about 15,000 people. Can you imagine that? It would hit 40,000 people by 1776, and it would become the largest city in America and the second largest only after London in the English-speaking British Empire. As a result of the growth and the influx of immigrants, there were a lot of people who wound up just wandering the streets of Philadelphia in various stages of illness, some mentally ill, some physically ill. Man, the sights, the sounds, and mostly the smells. Ah, I wish I lived back then. But Ben Franklin and his longtime friend, Dr. Thomas Bond, grew concerned about the situation and they set out to do something about it. Gotta do something. Dr. Bond, at first believing that a hospital was not something that Franklin would be interested in helping him with, went to a whole bunch of other really important people in town with the idea, we should build a hospital. But Bond found that no one else had any interest or any desire to support him in that effort. Finally, Bond took the idea to Ben Franklin and was shocked at his immediate all-out enthusiasm for the project. Franklin took the idea to the local Philadelphia Assembly. In his excitement to make the hospital happen, he challenged the council. He proposed that if he could raise 2,000 pounds privately, they should match it with city funds. Now, 2,000 pounds may not seem like a lot of money or any money. I don't even know how much a pound is worth, but... At the time, it was the equivalent of 402,000 pounds today. I still don't know what a pound is, so it doesn't really help me. $521,000 is what he was talking about. The assembly thought that raising that kind of money was absolutely impossible, even for Ben Franklin. So they believed that they're never going to have to do it. Why not promise the old guy this and he'll just go away and we'll never have to deal with it again. Just agree. Well, it didn't take very long. A few months later, Franklin returned to the assembly, having raised more than the 2,000 pounds he originally offered. And in May 1751, the hospital bill passed and the new Pennsylvania hospital became a reality. Franklin was so happy with the outcome that he claimed, I do not remember any of my political maneuvers, the success of which gave me at the time more pleasure. Now, 265 years later, that hospital, started by funds raised by Ben Franklin, is still in operation. A healthcare facility built by private funds with matching local government money. Franklin didn't petition the king to build the hospital. He said the local community needed to take it upon themselves. But again, none of America's founding documents contained any mention of healthcare as a right for the people or a responsibility of the federal government. Ben Franklin was telling us it is our responsibility as people in our own communities to take care of people. For the first 150 years, most Americans just paid for their own medical care. Health insurance was more like, you know, actual insurance. People paid for treatment out of their own pocket on the little things like doctor visits. And then they relied on the coverage through the Blue Cross nonprofit health insurance program for major expenses like being hospitalized. Across the Atlantic, however, Europeans, and more specifically, the Germans, were turning to forced health care insurance. 
This was the beginning of socialized medicine. What a surprise it comes from the Germans, yeah? Again, so what? The Germans came up with it. Why is socialized medicine such a problem? Nobel Prize winning economist Milton Friedman. A guy I wish I would have watched when he was alive. I didn't even know his name. Milton Friedman explained some of the potential pitfalls back in the 1970s. This is an area in which, as we all know, there has been a trend toward ever greater government involvement. The spending for the provision of medical care inevitably leads to control over the fees that are charged for medical care. And it should. If government is going to spend money, it ought to be concerned with what it pays for what it gets. Control over fees inevitably leads to control over the practices that are followed, over the behavior of the medical personnel. And if this trend continues, it inevitably leads to completely socialized medicine. I believe that this trend, including many of the steps that have already been taken, is very much against the interests of patients, of physicians, and of other healthcare personnel. This is like everything else. When the government is involved in the cost, they will insist that they control every other aspect. They want to control your doctor, your treatment, or even if you can receive treatment at all. Meanwhile, during that same time period, the early 1880s through 1912, while Europe turned to socialized medicine, the United States didn't. American leadership maintained the constitutional path, allowing the states to take care of their own health care policies. But then, just as now, progressives stated their usual, you know, in Europe... The government provides health care, all of that nonsense. So they began their attempts at mandated health insurance during the Woodrow Wilson, I hate that guy, administration. But after a bloody world war, Americans wanted no part in what they considered to be the Prussian menace. In other words, Germans really kind of sucked. They also said they wanted nothing to do with flat-out Bolshevism. But progressives kept trying. As Barack Obama said in 2010. After nearly 100 years of talk and frustration, after decades of trying and a year of sustained effort and debate, the United States Congress finally declared that America's workers and America's families and America's small businesses deserve the security of knowing that here in this country, neither illness nor accident should endanger the dreams they've worked a lifetime to achieve. This isn't an exaggeration. Progressives had been trying to bring about socialized medicine to gain control of 17% of our economy for over 100 years. Fortunately, until 2010, those unconstitutional efforts had been fought back time and time again. So let's go back. After the efforts during the Wilson administration, FDR repeatedly tried to make it happen, including a proposal for a second Bill of Rights. This is one of the spookiest things I've ever read. This would have completely altered forever the United States of America. In our day, certain economic proofs have become accepted as self-evident. A second Bill of Rights. In addition to guaranteeing Americans adequate food, He also said clothing and recreation. 
How the heck would a nation guarantee adequate recreation? I'm sorry, more ping pong time for you. Who defines adequate? How do you enforce it? Do the recreation police show up at your place of work and demand you go outside and play? And you. I need to see you playing a little kickball for the next 25 minutes. There was a lot more in his proposal, including... The right of every family to a decent home. The right to adequate medical care. And the opportunity to achieve and enjoy good health. All of these efforts, and many more, thank goodness, would fail. But progressives aren't called progressives because they demand change all at once. They would continue the onslaught for decades to come. Taking it piece by piece, baby step by baby step. You see, progressives actually are smarter than everybody else. In this case, I think they are. They understand, let's have a long-term plan and just move slowly over decades to that goal. And then it seems as if in one fell swoop, one president changes America forever. One president who may have done that more than any other president in history. Next time. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. It's said that any society is three missed meals away from chaos. Think of that. We saw it in New Orleans when the levees broke. Three days and it's chaos. Three skipped meals in any society and it's chaos. Have you solved your food problem yet? Imagine what would happen if those that depend on you had no access to food because of whatever is going on in the world. The last thing you want to do is suffer through a crisis without access to food. And that's why I encourage you to take decisive action now while you can to protect yourself and your family by building an emergency food supply. My Patriot Supply is standing by to help right now. This week, their four-week food supply is 99 bucks. That's 140 adult servings of easy-to-cook food that last up to 25 years, but you got to order now. Call 888-411-6875 or visit preparewithbeck.com. Limit two at this special $99 price, but the number to call is 888-411-6875 or you can go online at preparewithbeck.com.